Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. If you're looking for a solid and reliable contract that you can feel good about sending to your clients, look no further than the WVS contract, crafted by a licensed attorney in the state of Colorado. It might just be the best contract for wedding videographers in all of North America, or even maybe the world. Uh, hard to know. Regardless, if you're unsure of whether the contract you're using right now is good enough, go to WeddingVideographySchool.com right now, enter the password podcast, and start protecting yourself and your business today. Hey guys, it's Michael here with WeddingVideographySchool.com. Dot com. There it is. There it is. Hey, Adam Bradley. How you doing, man? Hey, man. I am staying alive, hanging in there, doing all right. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, just cleaned my office, so it has that clean office uh, feel to it, which is pretty nice. That's awesome. I try to do... I've got a little bit of... Uh, what is that? Type A in me to where I actually like to try to clean everything off before I do an edit. I bet you didn't know that about me. I didn't. So what you're saying is like you have an edit that you're going to sit down and do today, but before you do it, you clean your whole office or how does that work? Most of it. I like to kind of have like a clear desk space. I just like to kind of be in a clean room. There's something about kind of going through a project that I just, that I, that I go through. And then when I'm done, I need to kind of like clear and kind of reset everything before jumping into another one. So yeah, my wife gives me a hard time about it. So uh, I guess you can too if you want. No, I actually really hate clutter. And for the last like, God, probably close to six months, my office has been just cluttered like crazy. Like, like my wife is confused by it because she knows how much I hate clutter. And yeah. The problem is you can see my office from like the living room. And like when you first walk in the house, you can see through the doors of my office and you can just see what a mess it is. So it's really been bugging her. So I think my wife would think your wife is crazy for making fun of you. <laughs> you know, I never understood why, you know, they always say like a lot of artists, like a lot of like craziness and chaotic and, and mess. And I can understand that to some degree, but I'm kind of more of the opposite side of that where I like things to be orderly and neat. And again, that type A just kind of comes out in me. So I guess I'm on the opposite side with you. Well, people say, you know, that Steve Jobs, who I think most of us would probably consider Steve Jobs is like a pretty creative dude overall. Um, yeah. That guy was known for being such a minimalist and not having, he didn't want a bunch of clutter around. He didn't even want a license plate on his car. I'm sure you've heard that story. Yeah. Uh, so he'd just buy a new car every six months so he wouldn't have to put a, uh, official license plate on it. Right. Right. I wish I had that kind of money to where I could do that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't we all, I dude, it's crazy. This is like, this is probably the worst time to be a wedding videographer. I think, you know, it's, it's interesting cause I, I would agree with that. And I'm seeing a lot of people moving towards, um, live streaming, like people that I wouldn't expect and it's interesting, you know, you and I, I think briefly mentioned about, this, but we've got a buddy, Andrew Neese, who does a lot of live streaming and he's done it for years, but I'm seeing a lot of new people who've never even embarked on that road, all of a sudden starting to add it to their packages. And, you know, I, but I think, I think the bottom line is people are trying to get creative on how they can bring in any source of income and they're willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. 
Yeah, man. And you guys can check out our bonus uh, episode with Andrew Nice uh, in the uh, podcast feed. It's already there. So it's called Live Streaming with Andrew Nice. Yeah, man. I think if you can make it through this time as a wedding videographer, you can pretty make it, pretty much make it at any time as a wedding videographer. So yeah, yeah, just, you know, hopefully everybody can just stick it out a little longer and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure it'll work out, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, there, there was one post that I had read on a, on a wedding videography group and they were talking about the importance of anyone who jumps into wedding videography before you jump in, make sure you have, you know, at least six months to a year of, you know, of finances so that you can even just begin to start a business. And I think even more so now people are realizing how important that is. And I think that six months for a lot of people is now becoming one year. Like do what you can to, to have a safety net um, before jumping into this thing. Cause you just never know, you know, whether it's a pandemic or a low season for weddings, you never know what's going to happen. So it's, it's pretty smart to have kind of a, a cushion for you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm a big, uh, people call me a, uh, a, uh, a fiscal conservative is what people call me. <laughs> That's what people nice. call me. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of just having an emergency fund, all that kind of stuff. And as it turns out, most people's emergency funds are really being put to the test now. And unfortunately, like even people who had a six month emergency fund are kind of like looking ahead and thinking, Oh, maybe that wasn't enough, you know? So yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see, man. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. And even on the flip side, I see like videographers even just selling a lot of gear. And so as they're, you know, trying to find how can I get money, a lot of them are selling gear, whether it be, you know, big gear or small gear or, you know, just anything they can do. So I don't know if you're getting rid of any gear in this time, but I think it's also a smart way to try to find, you know, to bring some source of income to provide to provide for your family. You know, I do have a couple Canon cameras that I could probably stand to lose. Um, but the last two times I posted them on eBay, like this one particular camera, like people keep non-paying. So huh. I had that happen twice and I was like, you know what? I'll just hold on to this camera for a little while longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, today I want to I want to talk about... Um, so. A guy, uh, if you guys check out more memories on Instagram, M-O-O-R-E memories, Uh, more memories sent me a message earlier this week and was asking, you know, if we'd ever use the Osmo pocket and he wanted us to do an episode all about gimbals. So I told him I'm down. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, I, so I'll be honest, I've never used the Osmo pocket, um, I did use the original Osmo and I think you're kind of in the same boat, right, Adam? Yeah. I mean, I've always been, been a big fan of anything DJI puts out. I mean, I think that they're probably some of the leading stabilizer companies out there. Um, I think when it comes to using a lot of those, either Osmos or and Osmo pockets, all of that stuff is, is trying to figure out, okay, how do I get a camera or a profile that's going to match all of my other footage? And so I think some of those bigger uh, you know, questions come into play because I think the gimbal itself is amazing. Like what it can do, how steady footage you can get, but you know, it's about producing an image that you can have match your other work so that it looks all continuous. Yeah. You know, I will say this, I did a wedding in Vail 
And the best shot I think I ever got with the original Osmo, this was the one you had to connect your phone to. Now they have the Osmo Mobile. That's a whole different uh, one where you actually yeah. shoot on the phone. Like your your phone is the camera. But the, the original Osmo, uh, they had a camera built into it. And you just used your phone as the display so you could see what you were shooting. I shot this wedding in Vail and I got a fantastic shot of the bride and groom uh, coming down out of the church while like everybody was waving these like colored ribbon flags. That was the best shot I ever got with it. And I was so (laughs) proud of it. It was like my featured video on my website forever back when I was still shooting like 720p video uh, on the cannons. And yeah, I'll post a link to that here in the show notes. Um, so you guys can check out that shot. Uh, but yeah, it was, God, I remember thinking, wow, like I got this really cool shot. And I, I mean, most people would look at it and be like, that's every other gimbal shot. But you got to think like back then gimbals weren't what they are now. They were worse. It was like, you had to either carry like a Ronin M with you or nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm just going to use this little Osmo because I don't want to run around with a Ronin M. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it worked out. But I mean, the thing about the, the that Osmo, man, was the the quality was not not as good as it is now. Even the Osmo Pocket's like it definitely a step up from the original Osmo. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of the things, too, when it comes to gimbal is, you know, looking at just nationally where videographers are shooting their weddings. And so, um, you know, whether that be indoors, whether that be just on one location, but I've noticed that in Colorado, you know, we're, we're climbing up mountains. We're taking gondolas to, to shoot on location. We're going from, you know, a getting ready hotel to a separate uh, ceremony venue to a separate reception venue. So it just, you know, that just kind of plays onto the whole gear conversation is how much gear do you want to carry and at the end of the day, what what piece of equipment do you need to, to get the job done? Um, you know, so if you're willing to carry a lot of gear or hire an assistant. And so the great thing about the Osmo is that it's so stinking small and you can literally just put it in your back pocket and it's user friendly and, and easy to go right away. You're like a minimalist, right? Like I saw you posted a photo the other day of your gear and it was like it was like two bags. It was like two bags <laughs> and like maybe like a Ziploc or something. There's like, it was like two Ziploc bags, like not the small ones, but not the sandwich bags, but like the gallon bags that you put in the freezer. Yeah. You had like two of those plus like, uh, like a snack sized (laughs) one, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I said, I mean, a lot of my, a lot of my venues, I have to go from one place to another. So if I'm either shooting or shooting with somebody else, I want to be a minimalist to the point of like, where we just have to make one trip. We can put on our backs and we can just go like, um, because I think videographers are also known for having like so much gear and having stuff all over the place. And it kind of makes a lot of venues either upset or either vendors. And so I just don't want to be that guy who's lugging around. Because I always get that image of like that 80s or the 90s guy with like the big camera on his shoulder, you know, like being super obtrusive. And I don't know. I just want to be I want to be a part of it. And I don't want to be drawing any attention to me with my gear and that I have. Yeah, I agree. So I I think the Osmo Pocket is good 
in the right situation, obviously it sucks in low light. So you're not going to be shooting like first dances and stuff like that. Most likely with it, unless you're outside in the middle of the day and you know, the dynamic range isn't going to be that great on it. So you'll have to deal with that and you're going to have to match it up to whatever actual real camera you're using. But I will say you could probably get some pretty decent shots with it. And it's a very small, easy to carry around. I like that. I, I was a real big fan of the Osmo Pro or the Osmo Raw. Remember when they came out with the Osmo Raw? I don't it didn't really catch on, but like they basically put on the same camera that the DJI Inspire 1 drone had. They basically put that camera on like a bigger version of the Osmo. And the problem was it was like 2500 bucks for this thing. But I wish I wish the manufacturers would kind of lean into that more, get the price down on that kind of a gimbal, like a handheld gimbal that's that that is that size. Maybe it's a maybe, you know, maybe you keep it as a micro four thirds camera or whatever, and then you just attach like a screen to it. So it's just all one piece, all one thing that you can pick up. And the, the, you know, it's all basically calibrated and ready to go. You're not sliding a different camera onto it and trying to figure yeah. out the balance, all that stuff. I, if they would lean into that more and really like, you know, put a great lens on that thing where it's like, you know, it's like a 1.4. So it's like somewhat decent and low light. Like, God, I would buy that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, I think DJ is smart as in, in the fact that they're they're doing what they do well, and that's gimbals. And so they do gimbals well. You know, the motion is incredible. But the reality is that they just they don't do cameras well. They're not a cam camera manufacturer. So I think it'd be smart for them to either team up with somebody or find some other some other way to kind of increase that part because the gimbal part's great. It's just the camera part that's lacking that I think a lot of wedding videographers find issues with that they can't get the image that they're looking for easily at an affordable price. Like you're mentioning. Yeah. I want the, uh, my dream gimbal is the black magic Osmo pro raw or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> That's it's, if it's a black, if they team up with black magic, the name will have to yeah. be like super long. Yeah. So if you're not using the, the, the Osmo pocket or any of the Osmos, what, what gimbal do you use when you shoot then? Are you using a gimbal on your wedding day or what are you using? So I'm kind of in between. I was like, I was a glide cam guy for a while. Um, and the what, first what's a glide cam is that like a, <laughs> for those people, <laughs> for those millennials that are just shooting, like what is a glide cam? <laughs> the glide cam is like the landline of modern day telecommunications. <laughs> Not dial like dial up internet. <laughs> some people still love the glide cam. And like, if you know how to use it, the glide cam, you really can't beat it. Like the glide cam will give you, some of the most organic, smooth movement that you can find, you just have to really practice with it and get good at it. The yeah. first, I had the HD 4000 glide cam and that was such a pain to balance. Like it was not thought through. And then they came out with the Devin Graham signature model. Devin Graham made, uh, uh, glide cams like famous almost. Well, maybe not quite like everybody knew what they were, but he was the one who really took like perfected his skill and brought it like to the masses on YouTube and like made these videos that people were like, just that were just going viral. Uh, Devin yeah. super tramp. You can check him out on YouTube, but yeah, yeah, when they came out with that model, man, it got way better. Like the balancing got way easier. Um, 
but the you can't beat gimbal for like run and gun just easy to carry around well so semi easy to carry around once you have the count the camera mounted and balanced it's 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 all right you still get that kind of robotic movement but so the gimbal i have right now is the crane 3 lab which god i think it's awesome but so far i haven't gotten it to work so uh <laughs> that's the only drawback it's like i love the form factor of it i i like how i can see the screen uh like it's the screen isn't really blocked by anything and i love that it's got like the double grip built in so i don't need to add an attachment like you do with the the ronin s or whatever um right. but yeah i haven't gotten it to really communicate with the app right so i can't really recommend it what what are you using well and then i'm just kind of going off what you're saying there i, f- I feel like i totally agree like once once you go from the glide cam to these motorized gimbals they're they really are they're they're very complex and i think people forget that because it's like going from a you know like to a super high-tech calculator it's got all of these functions but you probably only use a couple of them and so there's there's the app now there's the batteries and and going with that there's now all the cores that can control to um you know changing focus and adjusting focus and so there's just all of these parts to it and i think people at the end you know they're trying to figure out okay how do i get this thing balanced how do i get it to get the shots that i want how do i and so i think that there really is kind of a learning curve and as people jump into these, they're they're frustrated right off the bat because they can't get it to do what they want. And, you know, what I've learned is that with any gimbal, no matter what it is, you can have it perfectly balanced. You can have it fine-tuned. You can have all your settings correct. But if you're not using the thing properly, you're still not going to get stable shots. So thinking about the way that you're walking, the way that you're, that you're holding it, where your elbows are positioned, and how you're still st- staying stable to get the shot that you want. And so... Um, for me, I was, I'm actually a big fan of the Ronin M. I think that's in a lot of ways is kind of like my dream, uh, my dream gimbal. I still own it, but I don't use it at weddings just for the simple fact that it's so large and it's so hard to carry. So I use the Ronin S. Um, I've got the little adapter so that it does give you kind of the dual handlebars and you can put a screen on there and everything. But, you know, it's hard because the Ronin S, just like the, just like the crane, they're, they're so small. They're so easy to carry around. They're so light for the most part. And, and it does it does get the job done well. But again, I just want to emphasize that that if people don't know how to use a gimbal, no matter what you pick up, it's, you're not going to get the stable shots you want. Yeah, and I've heard that from everybody. Like everybody who's really good at it always says the same thing. Like you got to practice your walk. Like yeah. w- when you're walking with that thing, like what what are you trying to accomplish? Like tell me a little bit about like the form you're using, like how you're trying yeah. to keep that thing as steady and smooth as possible. Yeah. Well, for me, I try to keep my arms tucked in and as close to my body as possible. So I think when I first picked up even the Ronin M, like I had my arms big and kind of out and just kind of like holding this thing, but you really want to keep your arms tucked in and your elbows as close to your body as possible. Um, and then I'm not a super tall guy. I'm about five eleven, almost six foot. And so for me, getting low is really important. Kind of having a crouching stance or just making sure to bend my knees um, and that's also going to just going to help you stay, uh, use the gimbal longer throughout the entire day. But so, you know, keeping those arms in tight, staying a little bit lower and moving, using more of your body than you are your arms. So as you're slowly walking and they call it like the ninja walk, just kind of like one foot in front of the other, you know, you want to stay low. You want to keep your, 
you're walking, you know, at a good steady, slow pace. But as you turn, you want to use more of your body than you are just your arms because then your arms get away from your body and you start to become unstable. So um, that's kind of what I found that's worked. Are, are you kind of using the same format? I know you're a little bit shorter than I am, so you probably okay. don't have the crouching part problem. <laughs> but <Yeah. are> you, <laughs> you're already crouched is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm I'm five like six, five seven. So when I see a drainage ditch, I just walk right on through. Like there's no ducking. Uh, uh, yeah, man. Uh, I've said this on other podcasts on my Video Bros podcast, but my favorite thing in life uh, is when uh, uh, two favorite things in life. One is when a when a like a really large person breaks a chair. I always laugh. I can't help it, man. I love when that happens. The other thing I love is uh, when really tall people hit their heads on stuff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So have, re- you, have, you, have you ever seen a really tall person with a gimbal hit their head? Because that would be kind of funny. No. The closest thing I saw was my realtor walked out onto the house, uh, onto the back patio of the house that we bought. And uh, oh, no. he didn't see the low overhang roof and he just whacked his fo- He like went right into it. <laughs> and it was it was the best day of my life. <laughs> Hands down. Like they say, like, oh, you know, you never forget the moment you got married or you never forget right. when your kid was born. I, I'll never forget when my super tall realtor <laughs> whacked his head on, on the back patio. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, to be honest, man, I'm really out of the gimbal loop. Like I bought this crane three thinking that I was going to use it and I, I hope I will. Uh, but I just haven't gotten it to work and I'm like, well, I'm not going to practice with a gimbal that I'm not sure if it's ever going to connect to the app. So, and this is, this is the second time that I bought the crane three and had problems. The first time was off of eBay. And so I was like, oh, I just got a defective one from the seller. And then then I bought one from B and H and I'm like, uh, and it's been like way too long to return it. So if I could go back, I'd probably just get the Ronin S, uh, or whatever the newest Ronin is. And I'd probably just go with that. But yeah. in the meantime, uh, I'm not doing a whole lot of gimbal stuff, man. I'm just, uh, but I, mean, I would consider like an Osmo pocket just for like a couple shots throughout the day. I would definitely consider that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, though I mean the whole wedding game is is so interesting because it's not like it's it's super fast paced. Uh, you know, there's a lot of parts of the day that's just really slow, and you know you can get away with a monopod being handheld or a gimbal. And I found that if you know even with uh, just going handheld or monopod, you can still get some movement and get some of the stuff that you like. It's not as as cinematic, but. Um, you know, my style overall, if you look through my f- films, is that I've got kind of a little bit of everything. I try to have just some some straight, steady monopod shots. I don't mind adding a little bit of handheld shots. Um, and then portrait time is really the only time that I use the gimbal mostly to get some of those additional shots. So I think a good film has a lot of those balancing shots where, you know, it doesn't look like the whole thing is just sweeping the whole entire time because I think that becomes more distracting than it does tell a good story. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. That's awesome. What do you got coming up uh, for the rest of the week? Um, you know, pretty, pretty fairly steady week. I'm kind of back in the game on some editing and just kind of, you know, going back to uh, marketing my own business. And so, you know, I think the dream for a lot of us guys here is is not just to do the work, but to work on the business. And so just some more stuff of just trying to get out there and get myself noticed and uh, working on some SEO um, 
situations on my my blogs and so yeah just trying to market myself so what about you dude i'm still <clears throat> basically finishing up my last three edits i had a client who asked me for some music revisions uh so you know that's always fun <laughs> i'm i'm down i'm like i'll do it because that's just the kind of videographer i am that's just the kind yeah. of guy i am uh so yeah I'm the, I'm the best i'm a hero <laughs> This is really what it is, but you're amazing. So I got to do that. That's going to set me back probably a couple of days. Cause you kind of got to like, first you got to find the music and then you got to like put the kind of halfway pull the puzzle apart and then put it back together. So I'm going to yeah. do that. And then, uh, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, just get some stuff done for the podcast. And, uh, I got a little info for you. Once we hop off this uh, recording, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of exciting things and then we'll share that with the listeners uh, at a later date. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, all right. Well, thanks, man. Uh, thanks for coming on as usual. And if you guys, uh, you know, if you guys like this podcast, be, f- be sure to check out the video bros podcast on iTunes, Spotify, etc. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to this show and uh, leave us a voicemail. Um, check out the show notes. You can call a number, leave us a voicemail, and uh, maybe we'll use it in the show. Yeah. Until next time, guys. Later. Right on. Thanks, Ben. Hey, guys. This episode of Wedding Videography School is brought to you by photographers wearing wide brim hats. Uh, Photographers Wearing Wide Rim Hats is the nation's number one wedding photography company, and for good reason. Uh, They are clearly the most creative, most unique uh, individuals out there, and their photography is so creative, I can't even begin to describe how creative it is. That's how creative it is. If you guys are working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats, then you're probably not working with the best photographers out there. So, um, you know, whether you're having a wedding, a birthday party, uh, or you're taking your kids to school, or you're hanging out at home, or going to the bathroom, you know, all things that you want photographed creatively, um, it should be done by photographers wearing wide brim hats. A lot of you guys, I know you're working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats. They might not be wearing hats at all. And um, that's a problem. If they're not wearing a wide brim hat, I don't know what the point of them even picking up a camera is. But when you work with photographers wearing wide brim hats, you know that you're always getting someone who's going to Uh, give you the most incredible shots that you could imagine. So for your next event, whether it's a wedding, a birthday party, a family reunion, uh, your mom's pap smear, whatever the event, make sure that you hire photographers wearing wide brim hats um, to get the most creative still images captured, you know, one frame at a time. And that's what that's what photography is. It's, you know, you hear the click, click, and you know you got one frame. And then you hear another click. Sometimes you hear eight clicks in a row, like click, 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 click. Uh, that, they just got eight pictures. And maybe one of them is good. Probably not. 
but the photographer wearing a wide brim hat, they are going to call those photos later on and, you know, really, really select the eight or six shots that they got from the entire day um, that they stood in front of the videographer to get. And they're going to they're going to edit those down into something truly magical, probably um, probably just two eight by tens that you can put in the living room next to the closet door. So give photographers with wide brim hats a call today and book them for your next event.